I was going to say, don't be so excited. It's okay. I know it's so overwhelming. You're just trying to take it in there for a moment. But there's a lot of good stuff coming up. And that, that, uh, you, you don't want to miss Ricky Valentine. He's become a famous character around here, okay? So be sure you come out to that. And um, I'll tell you that Munya, did you know who Munya, the guy in the purple maroon sweater there in that video, and the shirt there sitting down? This guy is in, in Zimbabwe, and he is making a difference. I mean, it's amazing what this guy is doing uh, by himself in there. So keep on giving to missions, keep on supporting that. And, uh, uh, you know, one, one day you get into heaven, and there'll be a bunch of Africans up there ready to thank you for supporting, yeah, for supporting Munya. You got, you got it? Yeah. We can't be there, but we can support the work that he's doing. And then we receive the rewards as well. We reap the, the rewards. What are you girls laughing at? Doing their African dancing? Okay. Yeah, come on. There you go. Come on. I'm, I'm patient. I'll wait. <laughs> okay. C- could you turn me down just a little bit? I'm, I'm kind of a little bit loud up here. We'll get you next time, okay? Be ready. Can I get my, uh, my uh, illustration up here, please, just for a moment as we go on to the next level? So we've been, we've been taking a look at the, uh, the bottom section here for the last couple of weeks on, on freedom and how, uh, laying a good foundation in your, in your life. Now, can I explain to you why this is so important? Uh, I was talking to, to, uh, to Matt right after the prayer time, and you're, we're praying for the... Uh, oh, by the way, the prayer times are getting better and better before the service. I want to encourage you. I mean, it's connected. These prayer times are connected to our foundation. And I want to encourage you to get out and keep on praying. See, we need to learn to do spiritual warfare. You need to learn to be a fighter in the kingdom of God to push back the power of darkness. That's why we do it. We're, we're getting ourselves ready for God, not just doing something for the sake of doing it. We're meeting the Lord. And in the bottom here, the foundational section, the, 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 the importance of having a relationship with the Lord and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in your life and knowing Him, it brings transformation to our lives. Matt, I talked to him right at the end of prayer, and he said, you know, when I was just a teenager coming to this church, it was what the Holy Spirit did in my life is what kept me. We had great prayer times, and the Holy Spirit would minister to me, and that's what made the difference in my life. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. Without the Holy Spirit, honestly, we're, we're no different than any other religious organization. It's the Holy Spirit that makes the difference, that brings the Word alive and makes it powerful and effective in our lives. So it's important to get that foundation strong where you can find freedom from the things that hold you back. You know, I'll give you a typical scenario. I've, I've watched repeat itself over and over and over and over since I've been a Christian and atten- attending church. People don't try to do things for God because they've got issues in their life. They're not free, so therefore they don't have the faith and the confidence to do something great for God. So they just withdraw. They, they, they do nothing or they get something really simple because they, they don't want to get out of that comfort zone because there's things in their heart, insecurity, fears, anxiety, whatever it may be, holding them back. The other thing you get is people try to do something for God, something more significant. The pressure of it comes into their life and they quit. 
because they never found the freedom and the victory by having the foundation strong so that you can, you can go in God and you can do something great and significant for God and live a life of success for him, but it starts by having a strong foundation built on the word of God, built with the spirit of God, okay? Now, today we're just going to go up to the next level of fruitfulness and take a look at those four steps and then read a couple of those scriptures under love people at the bottom. I'm going to show you today how those four steps isn't just a vision or a, a concept we came up with, but it was really taking a look at the scripture and setting our uh, vision of our church around what I believe is one of the key passages in all of the Bible. Okay? So let's take a look. Um, The importance, I mentioned here the the importance of finding freedom to move up to that level of fruitfulness. So we can move into a a level where we can serve God and we can make our lives count for God in a way we never dreamt possible. I never thought when I got saved I would be doing what I'm doing. But it, it comes as you learn how to move forward in God, trust God, walk with God, get strength and get victory and get that foundation in your life strong and then you can, you can move on. Now I believe, I believe the purpose God wants us free, the reason that he really wants us free from all those things that hold us back is because fruitfulness is directly connected to people. The church is people. Do you understand that the church isn't the building? You're the church. Well, if you're weak, the church is weak. But if you're strong, the church is strong. Right? That is all connected to people. Everything we do is connected to people. Jesus came and died for people. He didn't die for buildings and statues and memorials. He died for people. Right? So everything in the kingdom of God is people-related. And you're going to see tonight as we go through this how it connects with people and fruitfulness is largely connected to your ability to impact people, okay? Now, Galatians 6 verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So here's a simple scripture that tells us, be good to people. Say, be good. good. Now, say it again, like you mean it, okay? Be good to people. But it says, especially those in in the household of God, especially those you're sitting beside, especially those around you. Be good to everybody, treat people well, but especially those you're close to in in the house of God is what it's saying. Now, um, I believe that a church, what what, what a church should be connected to, everything that a church should be connected to is, is... involved in caring and helping people both naturally and spiritually. I think that is the heart of God. That's the heart that he has toward people. He wants us to be engaged in helping and caring both naturally and, and spiritually. So being a good friend to people, being a spiritual encouragement to people, helping to train people to grow in their faith, but being, being, helping be strong with people. That's the, that's the purpose of God. That's the call of God to the church. It isn't just to have meetings. It's to help to build up and strengthen and be a blessing to to people. Now, this passage, Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16, is to me one of the greatest passages in in Scripture. And it is one that stood out. When I first started pastoring, this was one that just kind of jumped out of the pages. and, And I realized that this is really the call and purpose that God has on His church. Okay? 
the way he wants us to live. This is about you and I. This, this passage just clearly defines the expectation God has for you and I and every Christian and every church. So let, let's read it, chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 11. It says, He gave himself, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, just want you to see one, one, one thing quickly here. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for what purpose? To equip the saints. Did you know you're a saint? I'll tell you that story another time, but you're a saint. You're a saint. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You know who is supposed to be doing the ministry in the house of God? I'm supposed to be equipping. Most churches have it backwards. The guy who's up here, they think is the one who's supposed to be doing all the work, and they just sit out there and do nothing. But not according to that. Hang on, I'll let you get your call. My job is to equip, your job is to function. That's the Bible. I'm not making that up. That's the Bible. Man is twisted around to mean something completely different. So in order to function, we have to grow up. We have to mature. We have to you know, be free. We have to be able to do what God's called us to do. So, so that's what he's saying here. He's verse 12. He says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man or mature is what it means to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. There is an awful lot that was just said there, and we'll save that for another message. You need to go through this, through the, through this passage. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head uh, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and fit together or knit together by that which every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying in love. That is one of the greatest passages in Scripture, I think, because it defines what we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to function, how we're supposed to live. It clearly defines what the church is supposed to be like. Now, I want to take a look at the four things in that passage that are part of our vision that we, we, we talk about, engage, establish, equip, and empower people, okay? And show you how it's connected to that passage, and this is why we set things up around that verse. We didn't, we didn't make it up. We, we found that passage and then built the vision of our church and the structure of our church. We, we, we put the structure in order to give structure to that passage. So it's not just a passage sitting there that you read, but we put structure to it so we can live it out. Okay, is what we tried to do. Now, it said in verse 16, it causes uh, growth of the body. So the, so the first thing in, 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 in our vision that we share is to engage. In other words, engage people. Um, contact people. Communicate with people. Um, you know, engage people, okay, is, is what we're supposed to be doing. 
Because it causes, see, it causes, when you engage, as we grow in him, it causes growth of the body. See, the church is commissioned by Christ to go into the world and make disciples. Do you understand when Jesus left, that was the last thing that he communicated to his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't say, sit in church every week and just go home and sit in church and go home and sit in church. He said, go and make disciples. I'm just telling you what he said, and we're trying to build a church around what he said, not around what I want, but around what he wants. That's what we're trying to do, just build a church around the word of God so that we can do what God wants us to do and believe that we will receive the blessing from God for for fulfilling his purpose and doing what he's called us to do. So we're to engage people. We are are commissioned to go and make disciples of all nations and uh, help people to, to grow in their faith and and so our, 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 our initial responsibility is to engage. So, so make yourself available to people. That's why it's important to be free, because my experience has been when people don't get free, they don't engage people because they got their eyes on their self, not on the Lord, and they're not serving the purpose of God because they're too hung up. So that's why we want to get free. So, so we're not hung up to do the things that God wants us to do. You don't want to be a person, if, if the Holy Spirit nudges you and says, you know, you need to go and talk to that person, or, or you need to go and encourage that person, but you're too insecure, now you're following your insecurities, not the Spirit of God. So that's why, why freedom becomes so important, so that we can fulfill what, what it is God wants us to do. The second part is establish. Verses 15 and 16 says, speaking the truth in love, joined in it together, to the edifying of itself. Well, when somebody receives the Lord and somebody is new into the kingdom of God, we want to help them to get established in their faith. Right? You know, when people come up front here and, and pray, have you ever noticed that we always send them out with somebody and we take them into the other room over here for a few minutes and we're just trying to answer some questions for them, give them some information uh, that can help them and try to connect them with the person if they want to be connected so they can have a, somebody who, who can be there, who they, they know in the church, they, can, they feel comfortable when they show up, they're connected somewhere because we want to help them to get established in their walk with God. We don't want people to come, say a prayer, go home, think they're saved, and spend the rest of their life going to bars believing that they're going to heaven. Some churches do that. They make it really simple. People think they're saved, but they keep living an unchanged life. We want to help them get established in the body of Christ. Right? Well, that's what that verse is talking about. When we speak the truth in love, we're joined in it together, and we build up. We, we, we edify uh, the body of Christ. We edify uh, one another. So we have things like our ministry apprenticeship. That's one-on-one where we get involved in just trying to mentor people and train them in the areas of ministry they're functioning in and what it takes from a character perspective and a, and a function perspective in order to be that children's worker or that event staff or whatever it may be, how to be better. Just be a support system to one another. That's what we're doing. We're not trying to control lives. We're not trying to manipulate lives. We're trying to come alongside people and to just build them up and strengthen them and help them so that they can get established in their walk with God. So that's why we have something like the ministry apprenticeship. We have small group involvement with our C groups and the A team. Because what we want to develop is just a spirit of love and compassion and support for one another. Because I've discovered over the years, people grow better with support. They, They do. They just simply grow better with support. 
I'll guarantee you, I will guarantee you, I'll bet my salvation on this one. You take two brand new Christians, leave one to their own devices to figure it out all by themselves. Just send them off by themselves, and they have no support from anywhere whatsoever. And you take the other one who has the support of a loving church family where people get close to them. That person will definitely outgrow the other person. It'd be like taking your baby, and uh, you know, your baby gets to be you know, two years old. You say, okay, you're on your own. Take care of yourself now. You should be able to do it. You're, all, you're, you're on your own. You know how to feed yourself. It would never work, right? Well, it's the same spiritually. It's no different spiritually. We need to come alongside, support, and help people just to help them get established in, in their relationship with God. So that's why we've set up some of the things that we've set up in our church. The next one is to equip. Now, verses 15, uh, 13 and 15 says that to, to, till we become a perfect man or mature to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, the Bible's kind enough to even define maturity for us. Maturity looks like Jesus. Till we all, did you see what it says? It says, till we all become perfect, or it really means mature, to the measure. Now, you give it to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When you start looking like Jesus Christ in your attitudes, your habits, your motives, your desires, you are becoming a mature person. Well, that's the, the objective, is to help people, equip them to, be, to become Mature. Did you know that every believer is called to maturity? Nobody's called to, to live in, in, in immaturity and, and just ease and, and lazy and, and just, you know, kind of take the easy route out. God has called all of us to come to a place of maturity because maturity is where you conquer. Huh? Maturity is where you can be used by God and things can begin to happen because you get your eyes off yourself. You get your eyes on what God wants you to do because you've got faith and hope that God will look after you as you look after his work. I remember when I started pastoring, having that talk with, with, with the Lord. Had a prayer time one time and I'm, and, and I'm praying. I say, you I've never done this before and I've really not had very much training at this. And, um, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of work and I was kind of, well, God, I'll, I'll do that. You know, I'm willing to look after the people. I'm willing to do what I can do to try to help people to be more like you and serve you and, and blah, blah, blah. But what about me? Like, where, where am I going to get support? He said, I'm your support. I'm your support. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to meet your needs as you take care of my, my people. You take care of my church. You, take, you do what I want you to do, and I'll look after you. See, that's how it works. You, you get to a faith level where you don't have to be self-consumed, but you become God-consumed to make your life count for God. It's a great place. When you get to a place of maturity, you become stable, strong, and steadfast, like I was saying last week. There's a stability and a strength in your life that you can't be moved because we, we are developing Christ-likeness uh, in, in our lives. And then the, the final step there in, in, that, in, in, our, in our diagram was, was fruitfulness. Um, uh, I'm sorry, was uh, empower, is empower. We'll get to fruitfulness in a second. We, we empower people, said in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, that's the sign of maturity. When, when you get to the point where you can function effectively in what God's called you to do. So one thing isn't necessarily better than the other, but certain things require greater degrees of, of uh, 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 wisdom or, or, or effort than other things. They're all very important, but God wants to bring you to the place where whatever it is you're doing, you can be spectacular at what you're doing. 
You don't want to have a spirit of mediocrity. You want to have a spirit of excellence where you do something great for God. You got one life to live for God, and then we face eternity. So make it count. Make it count. So it's, it's coming to that place of, of um, being, being equipped where we can be released into more significant ministries. Can, can I tell you something? You, you might think it's normal if, if you've been around our church for a while. And say, for instance, if, if you've seen a baptism service. A number of years ago, you know, when we instituted our, our C group ministry, we put a, per, a fairly significant responsibility onto our small group leaders. They, they carry a load, and they're great people. They're faithful. Uh, they, they, just, they do a lot of work, and they care for you. They do. They, they care for you. They, they, they've got your best interests at heart. They want their life to count. They want to do something. So when I saw that, when I, when I realized, you know, we're asking them to do a lot, and they're responding. They're, they're responding to the call of God on their life, and they're making their, their life count. So when it comes time to baptize people, I decided, well, you know what? We should give them the privilege of baptizing people because they're the ones right down on street level working with them. Now, do you know how few churches do that kind of thing? It's almost unheard of. Because we're trying to give the responsibility of not just the little simple ministry things, but the more significant ministry things to the body of Christ where the Bible said it should be. And that's why I, you know, I think I've maybe baptized one person or two people in the last 15 years, 20 years. Where used to, I used to baptize everybody. You look, at, you look at most churches, the senior pastor does the baptizing. But we want to, we're trying to reward people and bring people to a place of maturity where they're doing, they're doing more than just the, the baby types of things, but they can do the more significant things and take on the whole responsibility. I even saw something exciting this week on Facebook, if, that's, if you can believe that. Um, I said to my wife, I'm, I'm seriously thinking of packing the whole thing in. It's turned into one of the stupidest things on planet Earth. I got enough problems. I don't need to see somebody share their problems on Facebook. As soon as I see that, they're they're not a friend anymore. Get out of my life. I don't go to Facebook to hear you say what a bad day you're having. That's that's why, by the way, you need to be knit into a body. That's where you can get that support in the church with your friends, not on Facebook. That was all for free. That's not in the notes. I forget what I was saying. Oh, I saw something neat on Facebook. Which is hard to believe because of all the stupid, you know. So, uh, Ashley St. Carche, anybody see that picture? Ashley St. Carche? She's down at the Burlington. Now, this took courage, I'll tell you. She's down at the Burlington waterfront, I think it was, or somewhere on the, on the beach there in Burlington. And I'm not sure who it was. I think I know the girl in church. She's in here, right, in the church? And I, I, th- I thought I recognized her. And she baptized her in Lake Ontario. I thought, now that is super cool. Now, now, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that anybody should be running out baptizing anybody, to be honest with you. But she's one of our most faithful. She's faithful. She's committed. She's on fire. She's zealous. She's all the things you look for in somebody. And she had an opportunity. So they go in cold day into freezing cold Lake Ontario, and she baptizes her. Well, I think that's super cool. It'd be pretty good if everybody baptized. As a matter of fact, you get them saved, go and baptize them. All right? but don't try to steal people to baptize them. You get them saved, you baptize them. <laughs> right? Because there's nowhere in the Bible does it say, only the guy who stands up here can baptize people. It's not in the Bible. 
but it's how churches function worldwide. And we're trying, we're trying to function according to the Bible, not the tradition of man. I'm not knocking it if they do. I mean, I did for years. But we realized as we put a greater demand on people and give them greater responsibility, uh, we'll give them the, the, the reward that goes along with it, the reward of baptizing that person they're working with. Because it's, it's a fun experience to get to baptize people. It's a fun experience to lead them to the Lord. Now, the work gets involved in helping them work with them, get them established. But when people do that, they need to be rewarded for the work that they're doing. Okay? So, Ashley, I don't see her here tonight. I don't know if she's a, probably out tomorrow. Pardon? Tomorrow morning? Yeah. Um, I thought that was super cool. One of, one of the cool things I saw on Facebook. Because there's not a lot. Now... Let me talk just for a moment about fruitfulness, because that's what God has called us to. You know, we we get free, and then we get fruitful. You know, Jesus said, I've called you that you would bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. I'm just telling you the Bible. I'm sorry if you don't like it, but that's what it says. Living a life that we actually produce something out of our life that 20 years from now, it's still evident. That's what he's called us to. Not just mindless, meaningless activity, but activity that produces results. Change in our life that produces results. A change so that you become more like Christ so that five years, 10 years, 15 years from now, you're even more like Jesus than you are today. You're stronger than you are today. Because fruit that lasts. Permanent change that takes place that glorifies God. That's what he called us to do. So fruitfulness. Many people think of fruitfulness, um, um, well, true fruitfulness is multiplication and reproduction. Fruitfulness is multiplication and reproduction. Now, let let me explain it to you. Many people think that when an um, an apple tree produces an apple, it's being fruitful. But if that were the case, if an apple tree producing an apple, if that was the degree of fruitfulness... After all of the apples have been picked, the tree has finished its purpose. It produced the apples, and now the tree is good for nothing to be cut down and be cast into fire. Okay? According to what Jesus said. Now, fruitfulness occurs from the seed of the apple that produces another tree. That's fruitfulness. The tree produces The life of the tree produces a fruit, and that fruit within it has the life to reproduce another tree. That's fruitfulness. But now you have something that can live forever, right? Trees, apple trees will never go away. Rose bushes will never die because they have the ability within themselves to reproduce themselves for generation, for decades, for millennium, forever and ever and ever because that's how God made it. He put it in the thing to reproduce itself. That's true fruitfulness. Otherwise, the thing would cease to exist. Now, I want you to think of, of our, our life. Our, our life, fruitfulness occurs not just when we maybe impact another person, but when we can actually begin to reproduce ourselves. That's when you're truly being fruitful. When you become more Christ-like, and then you in turn, because now you've got your eyes on the things of God, you now have the ability to go out and and help people to become more Christ-like. Now, as you can do that, that is truly being fruitful. You just being a good person, that's fine and dandy, but if all we ever did 
is be good people and nothing else. Within one generation, we all die off and we're all finished. There is no church. It's finished. Fruitfulness occurs when you and I can give birth to something new. You got it? That's true fruitfulness. It isn't the apple producing a tree. It's the, it's the seed within that fruit rebirth, giving birth to a new tree. It's the seed within you and I giving birth to a new person. Reproducing. That's what God's called us to. It's challenging. It can be scary. It can be, seem overwhelming at times. But that is what he's called us to. We grow and mature and get transformed. And we develop the, the character of Christ in us. And, and more, more and more like, like Jesus, as we grow and mature, we have, we're, we're strong, we're stable, we're steadfast. And then we care for others and we help to reproduce that as we reach out to others. Ashley baptizing that person in Lake Ontario is the beginning of her being fruitful. It's that process of fruitfulness beginning to take place where she reproduces who she is in another person as long as she sticks with it and the other person sticks with it. But it's the beginning of that process. And that's what we're called to do. Let me give you this illustration of the bride. The bride is a terminology, one of the, 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 the pictures, definitions used in the scripture to, 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 to describe the church. Okay? There's many, you know, there's many visuals that the Bible gives us to describe the church. We're an army. Well, that's telling you a part of you know, what, what God said. You're supposed to be militant. You're supposed to be warriors. You're supposed to get out there and, and beat the devil and make a difference. We're an army of God. But we're a family. We got our chores to do, our responsibilities, support, love one another. We're a family. We're also a bride. Okay? We're, we're the bride of Christ, the Bible says. You see it clearly in the book of Revelation. Jesus is coming for his bride. He's the bridegroom. He's coming to marry his bride. You're the bride of Christ. Now, let me show you the significance of the bride in the Bible because I believe the bride is descriptive of the fact that we are supposed to be winning people. I think that's what it's showing us. The bride shows us that we are supposed to be people who can reproduce. Not just educate ourselves, not just be nice people, but who can reproduce. You see, let me give you this in, in the natural. A natural bride, we'll t- take a look at first, because the Bible says, first the natural, then the spiritual. You take the natural, and you learn the principle from the natural, and then the spiritual. So that's why the Old Testament shows a lot of natural examples and types of what were going to become spiritual realities in the New Testament. You need to do, do some reading on types and, and that type of thing. And you'll be fascinated at all the things in the Old Testament that we're pointing to today. Okay, first the natural, then the spiritual. So it says this in Genesis chapter 1, 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That is God's definition of marriage. He called man and woman together, and that's what he said. There's what God laid out. Now, I know our society has decided to change it, and our government thinks they know better, but God knows better. He created the whole thing. That's marriage. 
in a nutshell. That's what he said for man and woman to do. Three things you get from that passage that should be what, you know, it, it shows us what marriage is all about. It shows us the purpose of marriage, and it shows us the, the significance of the bride. The first one is relationship. So in any marriage, the man and the woman form a new social unit based on relationship. They become a new entity. There's something new. They, they used to be two individuals. Now they come together, and they form one social unit, and now they have lasting relationship with one another. Relationship is a very significant part of, the, uh, of marriage. Second thing that comes out in, in marriage is intimacy. Said in that passage, the two shall be one. See, God designed marriage as the place where man and women can enjoy intimacy. That's the safe boundary that he created that for. So you can have intimacy in the safety of marriage, and everything's fine. Well, that's part of, of, of marriage. There's relationship. There's intimacy. The third aspect in, in that passage regarding marriage is reproduction. He said to be fruitful and multiply. You see, the, the, the new intimate relationship results in reproduction. And that's kind of the threefold purpose from that passage I just read of why God put together uh, man and woman, why he created marriage. It's why the modern man has missed it, because they can't fulfill those three things. Okay? Can't be done. It's impossible. God created for relationship, for intimacy, for reproduction. Now, it doesn't mean if a couple isn't having children, they're doing something wrong, but I'm saying that is the purpose of marriage. Relationship, intimacy, <clears throat> reproduction. Now, how does that apply to, to you and I as, as the bride. Well, remember I was saying last week in, in um, John chapter 15, remember we, were, we read the passage where Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches, and you can do nothing apart from me. You have to be connected to me. You know, it's important to stay close to me and connected to me if you want to bear fruit and you, and, and you want to be productive and effective because apart from me, you can do nothing, he said. So the, the need to be connected to the vine. Now, now, we're the bride. He's the bridegroom. So watch what happens here. First thing you see uh, spiritually for the bride is we have relationship. When you're born again, you have an opportunity to come into relationship with God Almighty. And you know how many people just don't even understand it, or if they do, they don't even appreciate it, and they could care less. They don't, they don't get it. You know the only thing that separates us from any religion in the world is the Holy Spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's your hope. It's that relationship with God. It's the Holy Spirit living in you that nudges you and leads you and speaks to you and corrects you and encourages you. And all the things the Holy Spirit does, it's the Holy Spirit in us that allows us to be who we are. If you start to ignore the Holy Spirit, you are no different than any world religion. And as a matter of fact, Jesus defined it, if you take a look at it, as pharisaical, because look at what he said about Pharisees, and that's what religious people become. That's why it's so important. When, when he went to the cross and that veil was torn, I tell you, he was opening up a whole new thing. Do you understand? Nobody, nobody on planet earth can come into the presence of God except a born-again Christian. Can't be done. Can't be done. The only Jesus is the door to the Father. 
There is no other door. There is no other way. The only way you can have a relationship with God is to come in through Jesus Christ. Now you can, you can have a relationship. You, be, you can become a friend of God. The Bible says we're his friends. We get close to him. We're friendship with, with, with God. Now, that's our relationship. The second one is intimacy. You, you know what happens when you start to get intimate with the Lord? Your heart begins to change. Your heart begins to change. Bible says when he came in, he took away the old stony heart of our nature and gave us a heart of flesh, a soft heart, a tender heart. When he comes into your life and, and you start to have a relationship, you start to get intimate with the Holy Spirit, things begin to change. I can always tell a Christian who had a real born-again experience because overnight their, their desires change. Their habits don't, but their desire does. They want something different. They're, they're asking questions. I don't, am I, I don't think I'm supposed to do this, am I? No, it's probably not good to sleep around. Because the Holy Spirit's convicting them. The Holy Spirit's doing it. I didn't do it. Nobody said it. The Holy Spirit said, no, maybe, maybe smoking isn't the best thing for you. Maybe it might cause cancer and kill you. Because the Holy Spirit's looking after you. He starts to, you get close to him, and things begin to change. And you know one of the things that really, one of the most significant things begins to change is your willingness and desire to touch other people. All of a sudden, you've got a heart for people that you didn't have before. You don't want them spending eternity apart from God. You don't want them to. That, I, I, watch, I can tell you, I, it's not hard at all to find out who has a close relationship with the Holy Spirit and who doesn't. It's not hard. Because if you don't care if somebody spends eternity separated from God, there's something missing in your walk with God. So it's not a bondage. We're not trying to put guilt on people. We're not trying to, what I'm trying to say, it's a natural thing that happens when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with my heart. He gives me a heart for others. And that's why I've got to get free. So I'm over all the stuff that's going to hold me back because he's going to put something on me that says, you know something, there's a lot of people that need me. I died for people. I came to that cross, not just for you. I'm so glad that those two girls in downtown Kabul, Afghanistan, stopped us as we were walking by and said, would you like to come for dinner tonight? If they hadn't said it, who knows where I'd be. If they hadn't taken the responsibility to get out of their comfort zone and invite us to come for dinner, who knows where I'd be today? My guess is I would have been dead years ago based on the lifestyle that I was living. But they got out of their comfort zone. Why? They didn't know me. Who am I? I'm nothing. Who am I? But they took the time because God put something in their heart to say, there's a soul going to hell. Maybe you should say something to him. And they had the courage and the faith to say it. And I, I get to start a brand new life with God because they had the courage and the faith. So now, the guy that I had met, I was traveling with, he wasn't interested. He kept on going. Who knows where he ended up? But my life was transformed. Because God did something in their heart and said, there's somebody you don't know and you'll never see them again. But tell them about me. See, that only God can do. That's supernatural. There's the supernatural power of God at work in your life. We're not putting a bondage on you. We're not trying to say you've got to go out and win every person you meet. But what we're saying when the Holy Spirit does it, you will see life differently. He has a way to do it. The motive, you know, Holy Spirit has a way to tell you, you know, hey, you're a jerk. Stop it. Usually, you're right. I'm a jerk. I'm going to stop it. He's just got a way to get our attention and get us on board. That's what he does. So intimacy begins to happen 
in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, which results in reproduction. So if you truly want to be a fruitful person, the only way you're going to do it as a Christian is through getting intimate with the Lord. You have to spend time with Him. Otherwise, it becomes an act and a duty and a regulation you're trying to fulfill. But when it's, when it's just in your heart, you don't mind saying something to somebody you don't know. You don't mind loving somebody that you don't know who they are and, and helping them out and, and dropping that little seed of, of a thought in their mind and you know, trying to do what you can to, to open up a conversation or maybe see if they're interested, see if they, they're looking for something. See, I was walking down the street. The guy I was with wasn't looking, but I had traveled halfway around the world searching, and God knew that. And thankfully, there was two girls who said, I'm going to obey God. I'm not going to be afraid of the face of man. I'm going to obey God. And my life is transformed because of two girls who had the courage and faith to obey God because they'd gotten close to God. Do you see how it works? And that's what God's called us to. It's not a duty. It's not a bondage. It's not something we're putting on people. It's out of a heart of loving God, getting close to God. We begin to grow. We begin to mature. We get free from things. We, 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 once you get free, you see, you, got your, you, know, you know what people who aren't free? If I'm insecure, all I've got is my eyes on my insecurity. If I'm full of fear, all I can see is my fear. But when I get free... If that stuff is behind me, I put away those things, I'm moving on to maturity, I'm moving on to become the, the man and the woman that God's called me to be, now I can function in, in greater maturity, greater effectiveness, because I've got my eyes on God and what He wants me to do. Let me read the two, two last verses here that are in that diagram, the ones under loving people. Um, and I want to read um, Mark, just two of them, I want to read Mark uh, 12... Okie dokie, I didn't do a thing. <laughs> Mark chapter 12, 29 to 31. Is it up there? Tell me if it beats me. Okay, 29 to 31. Jesus answered him. He said, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. All right? Then he says, and the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So what's he saying to us? He, he, he's talking, but here's, here's, here's what matters. You know, there's another part where he said those two things, and he said all the law and the prophets is consumed in those two things. People trying to figure out the Bible. What am I supposed to do? How can I understand it all? Right there. Right there wraps up the entire thing. If you do that, you're walking in the will of God. If you don't, you're not. It's that simple. The Bible says the Bible's complicated. People say the Bible's complicated. That's not too complicated. Two things. Two things is what he narrowed it down to. Love the Lord with everything you got. Get on fire for God. Get passionate for God. Go for God. And then when you do, you'll love people. It's just a byproduct. It's not an attempt. It's a byproduct. You'll just love people. Next thing you know, you'll be bearing fruit that lasts and remains. Not because it's something special about you. You've just learned to obey God and walk with God and now your life is counting for Him and you're bearing fruit and it's lasting and amazing things are happening and you're beginning to have a successful life that you never dreamt you could have because you obeyed 
Two things. Don't complicate it. Two things. And within that is all the law and the prophets. Everything that's of importance to God is love him with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others like yourself. Reach out and care for others. Put others first. Really, really simple. So I hope this isn't, you shouldn't find this as a way. It it should be something that, hey, I can do this with with the help of God. Because with God, all things are possible. Right? And the last one I want to read to you. In John chapter, where'd it go? My notes went crazy on me here. Is that it? John chapter 13, 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's what makes it different. It's not worldly love. It's the love that God showed for us that we would begin to show for one another. That you also love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He, he wraps the whole thing up. This is so simple. My grandchildren can do it. My grandchildren can do it. And they do. I watch them. They're growing up and I watch what they do. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. You want to know what Jesus did? Jesus' definition. So that I, you got to love it when he makes it so simple that your grandchildren can understand it. He said, this is the mark that will identify you as being a true follower of me. Now, I'm not making it up. He's the one who said it. A true follower of Jesus who's in love with Jesus will be recognized by the way we treat one another. You can't tear your neighbor down. You can't tear the person sitting beside you apart and be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It can't be done. We identify our relationship with God by our treatment of people. And when Christians begin to bite and devour, they're off track completely. You you can't be more off track because that verse or those two verses make it as simple as you can possibly find Love one another. That will be what identifies those following me. See, we confuse people following him as people sitting in the same church. And that's not necessarily the case. You can have people sitting in the same church, some following and some not. Some on fire for God, some religious. So don't ever confuse church people with the Bible. Get your heart right. Make sure you're right. Make sure you're walking with God. I, and I say that for this reason, because sometimes people do crazy things, and, and I hear Christians do it all the time. How can they do that? They're Christian. They're in the church. You don't know the relationship with God. That's how they can do it. You don't know where they're at. Only God. See, man judges on the outer. We can see the outside. God sees the heart. He knows where they're at, but we don't necessarily know where they're at. But that passage that I just read defines for us what a real follower of Jesus looks like. You will put up with the nonsense of the person beside you. And you love them. Don't look at your husband that way. You'll love them. You'll be patient with them. You'll be kind to them. You'll be understanding with them. You heard of the fruit of the Spirit? That'll become evident in the way we treat people. He's saying that will become the obvious thing. And I want to encourage you. That's what it means to start to become fruitful. It's not a It's not a bondage. It's not a tough responsibility. It's something that just flows out of a heart that's abiding in the vine.
walking with him. Are you with me there? And that's all we're trying to do. We're we're simply trying to identify those in our church who want to become this kind of person. Let us help you. And if you don't, that's fine. You don't have to. That's how, you, you know, we all give account to God one day. You do what you've got to do. We're just trying to identify those who want that and then try to help them get there. So we can line our, Bible, our, our, our church up with Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. And just carry out the Bible. And I believe this, that one day you'll stand before God. He'll say, thank you very much for doing exactly what I asked you to do. I made it very simple to understand. Well, we did our best. We, with all our flaws, with all of our shortcomings, with all of our failings, you know, with all the stuff, but we did our best. And that's all you can do. And that should be the heart and spirit we all have. Just let's get close to the Lord, love Him with all your heart, let's do our best. And from that, see what happens. That's what it means to me. That's what it means to start to become a fruitful Christian. You're impacting lives, you're loving people because Jesus died for those people. He died for the ones that are out there right now that we don't know. And that's why we don't get consumed with just ourselves and our own needs. We look out for the needs of others. Excellent point. You with me there? Would you stand up with me tonight?